Amen. Amen. God is good, OCC. God is good, OCC. God is good and worthy to be praised. And because he is good, I don't know about you, but I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Can I get about three people to help me magnify the Lord with me today? Oh, that'd be good if it was for me. But can I get about 10 more people to magnify the Lord with me today? That'd be good if that was for me. But oh, magnify the Lord with me today. Let us exalt his name together. Because God's just been good to me, amen? He's been good to me. I don't know if you know him to be a healer, but I know him to be a healer. I don't know if you know him to be a provider, but I know him to be a provider. I don't know if you know him to be a way maker, but I know him to be a way maker. I don't know if you know him to be a bridge over troubled water, but I know him to be a bridge over troubled waters. And the reason I know that is because sometimes I found myself in the valley. And here we are, we find ourselves in this sermonic series called Rattled, talking about our God in the valley. And today, I I simply want to talk to you about that. And um, before I get started, I honestly just want to thank our pastor, Pastor Conway Edwards, for his shepherding, for his leadership, And personally, for his mentorship, I will tell you, I have been in rooms and have gotten opportunities that I did not deserve, and it's all because of his graciousness and his kindness towards me. And so I publicly want to say thank you to our pastor, Pastor Conway. Um, If you would, pray with me, and then we'll dig into the scriptures. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity, O God, to wrestle with your word. I pray, O God, that you would help me to communicate clearly. God, I pray, God, that you would remove distractions. God, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would decrease me, that you would increase, shut me up, that you might speak up to the end, O God, that we may leave here encouraged and enlightened. God, we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can I open up by asking y'all a question? Have you ever been in a season of life that has broken you? No, no, I'm I'm talking about a real season that has broken you down. I, I mean, this season drained you of your energy, tested your resolve, and basically wore you out. Is there anybody that's ever been a season that has has broken you? And many of us, those of us who are Christians, we realize that it's easy for us to understand and to believe that God is with us whenever we're at the mountaintop. Whenever we're on the mountaintop and we have good news and we're hearing good things, we get a raise, we get a new job, we get, we, we get the, the baby to sleep through the night for the first time, amen. We, we finally get our youngest child to pee-pee in the potty, amen. We, we, we finally get a good spot at the mall that is actually close to the mall, or better yet, we get a good parking spot here at church that's actually close to the church. I mean, that's when we know the Lord is high above the heavens. It's on the mountaintop. It's easy for us to believe that God is with us. But we find it difficult to believe, to trust, to realize that God is good when we find ourselves in the valley. When we find ourselves alone. 
when we find ourselves frustrated, when we find ourselves disappointed, when we have no good news, when everybody is leaving us, when friends are turning their backs on us, when we lose family, when we have been estranged from our family, when those things happen, it's hard for us to realize that God is still there with us in the valley. The truth of the matter, man, is that we enjoy God on the mountaintop, but we've got to know that we get to know God intimately in the valley. I mean, we get to know God on the mountaintop. Oh, but we really get to know him intimately in the valley. Okay, y'all not going to go with me. Is there anybody in here that can say, if it were not for my valley experiences, I wouldn't even have a prayer life? If it were not for some of the storms that I went through, I wouldn't know that God can solve problems. If it were not for some of the the hell that I've been through in my life, I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. But because I have journeyed through the valley, I know that God is with me not only on the mountaintop, but I have an intimate relationship with him down in the valley. And many of us can say that, you know what? Sometimes we have valley experiences and mountaintop experiences going on at the same time. I, I, I mean, there, there are seasons where I've been on the mountain, but then something comes and chops me at the knees, and I end up in the valley. There, there was a few years ago when we were celebrating the patriarch of our family. My grandfather had turned 80 years old, and we were calling family from all over the country. Forty of us came from east and west and north and south, and we gathered in Lubbock, Texas. Yes, Lubbock, Texas. That's where I'm from. Amen. Uh, and so we gathered in Lubbock, Texas. We rented out suites, and we rented out the ballroom, and we had a great time. I mean, we were laughing. We were singing. We were dancing. We were joking. We were roasting. I mean, it was four generations of My grandfather was there. His children was there. I was there with all my cousins. Our children was there. We were having a great time. The people of the community came. I mean, we were on the mountaintop. It was the pinnacle of a celebration. I mean, it couldn't get no better than that. And then I got a phone call. Here it is, the last day of the celebration. I get a phone call that my best friend had died. I'm not talking about a friend that I, I met the year before. Mm-mm. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a friend that I met with three years old. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a friend that I grew up with all my life. I'm talking about a friend. His mama is my mama. And my mama is his mama. I mean, we were together so much, people thought we were brothers. When we put our glasses on, people thought we were twins. I mean, we, we, we was close like that. When I became a quarterback, he was my receiver. When I ran third leg on the sprint relay, he was my ankle leg. I mean, we were inseparable. There was nowhere we went without each other, so much so that he was the best man in my wedding. He's the godfather to my first two children. I mean, this is my best friend. And while I'm on the mountaintop, boom, here I am now in the valley. What do you do? When you think that everything is going well, and then all of a sudden, you end up in the valley. We love the mountaintop, but it's in the valley that our faith is forged. We love the mountaintop, but vision is revealed in the valley. Breakthrough happens in the valley. It's in the valley that his presence is made real. 
and his power is made perfect. It's in the valley that we discover who we are. More importantly, it's in the valley that we discover who he is. It's, it's, it's in the valley that these things become real. And so today, I just want to talk to you about the God of the valley. I, I, I want to talk to you about a place called Baca. Can y'all say that with me? Baca. There's this place called Baca, and it's found in this Old Testament text in Psalm 84. Now, I know some of y'all may have read through Psalm 84, and I guarantee y'all sped right by these verses. Or if you stopped at these verses, you probably didn't understand what they meant. So today, we hope to dig into this word and get an understanding that will encourage us in the Lord and will provide some insight that will help us experience God in a very real and personal way. So in Psalm 84, we're going to start at verse 5, and we'll see the God of the valley. So the psalmist says in Psalm 84, verse 5 through 7, he says, Blessed is the person whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the roads to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring, and the early rain also covers it with blessing. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Baca was a place that you had to pass through on your way to Jerusalem. And, and scholars said and believe that Baca uh, uh, is named after this tree called the balsam tree. And the balsam tree actually grows in dry valleys. Now, if you ever walk close to the balsam tree, you realize that this tree would ooze its sap. And when you looked at it closely, it looked as if the tree was crying. And so they called the tree a weeper. And so this valley is named, because of that, it's named the valley of weeping, the valley of tears, the valley of loss. And so you find yourself uh, uh, realizing that whenever you go through a valley, uh, you find yourself in a very dangerous situation. Why? Because in the valley, there's thorns in the valley. In the valley, there's wild animals in the valley. In the valley, there's people waiting in the cut to jump you and rob you in the valley. Yeah. It is hard to get through a valley experience without getting injured or without having something bad happen to you. Yeah. But let me help you understand some context in regards to this journey to Jerusalem. See, because if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16, you'll understand that there was a call for every Jew to go on a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem three times a year. And you wouldn't just pilgrimage alone. You had to take your entire family. Your whole crew had to go with you. Any parents in here? I got three kids. Do y'all know what type of chore it is just to get my kids 10 minutes down the street to the grocery store? I mean, Lord have mercy, Target is 15 minutes from my house. It takes me 15 minutes to get them jokers in the car. I got, I got to pack water and a blanket and Nintendo Switches and coats and sweaters and extra shoes. I got a little boy that needs extra underwear. Lord have mercy. Just to get to Target, it takes me 15 minutes. Can you imagine? Journeying to Jerusalem with your whole family, your whole crew. I mean, you're not catching the dark. You're not calling Uber or Lyft. You're not being dropped off at DFW or Dallas Love. 
No, you're on foot with a camel. And if it, Lord have mercy, if y'all pack like I pack, I mean, everybody in my family got to have their own bag. When we going through the airport, it looked like we coming to America. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's quite a feat. And, and, and nobody want to carry their own bag. You know who got to carry the bag? Daddy going to carry the bag. I, Lord, I can only imagine what it's like to get to Jerusalem. So this journey is tiring. This journey is exhausting. And you do all of this stuff. And you don't even make it to Jerusalem yet. By the time you are exhausted, by the time you want to faint, you have arrived at Baca. You have arrived at the Valley of Tears. You have arrived at the Valley of Loss. You have arrived at this Valley of Weeping. And then the kids have an audacity to say, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. All we've gotten to is this dry place. And I don't know if you understand, but in the Bible, names mean something. They, they, they give places names because that's what happened in that place. See, Jehovah Rapha means the Lord who heals because he healed in, in that place. Jehovah Nisi means the Lord God our banner because he, 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 he gave us victory in, in this place. So when I get to the valley of weeping, that's because people end up weeping in this place. The toughest of men weep in this place. The strongest of believers weeps in this place. I have taken this journey only to arrive at Baca. What do you do? When you're on this journey and you arrive, at Baca. Well, you can't go around it. You got to go through it. And can I give you this triple truth? In order to get to Zion, you got to go through Baca. That's your geographical truth today. Can I give you a vertical truth? In order to get to the mountaintop, you got to go through the valley. Can I give you a spiritual truth? In order to get to the place of praise, you got to go through the place of pain. And nobody wants to hear that. That don't make sense to me. In order to get to the presence of God, in order to get to the promises of God, in order to get to where God is calling me to, I have to go through a valley. Well, guess what? That's the truth. Can I let you know that there is nowhere in Scripture where one of the disciples respond to the call of God and the next verse says, and it got easier? Search the scriptures, uh, you know, write me, text me, email me, let me know when you find it. Nowhere in scriptures do you see someone responding to the call of God, and then it does not say that it went longer than they expected. It was harder than they expected. It was more difficult than they expected. It was more trying than they signed up for it to be. That's what it's like to journey with God. I want you to know that story after painful story in scripture People go through their baka, but it's there that they find the grace of God. They find encouragement in the spirit. They find growth that never would have happened had they not gone through the valley. So the question today is, I'm in baka. Anybody in baka? I've been to baka. I, 
How do we get through Baca? That's what we want to know today. I want to talk about three things today and unpack this scripture that gives us three ways to get through Baca. Way number one, strengthen yourself in the Lord. First point. That's kind of churchy, serious. Can you break that down? All right. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let's look at verse, uh, verse number five of Psalm 84. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you. Now, first of all, that first word caught me because it's saying the person who is in the valley is blessed. So I'm blessed when I'm in the valley? I don't feel blessed. It don't look blessed. But the reason that you are blessed because your strength is found in him. You're blessed when you realize that your strength is found in him. Can I help you realize that the first song that was ever written in Scripture was written by our friend Moses? Moses penned the first song in Scripture, and it was penned in the wilderness, and they sang it as they journeyed through the wilderness, and that is found in Exodus chapter 16. And here is the beginning of that song. It says, the Lord is my strength, he is my defense, and he has become my salvation. It is a song that other songs in Scripture get their theology from. Matter of fact, it's, the, it's, it's this song that we get, uh, 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 Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, the thing I love about that particular text is that word wait. Because that word wait means to bind yourself to God. It means to tie yourself to God, right? If, you, if, you don't, if you've never been there, in the Middle East vineyards, uh, uh, the, the vines are tied to stakes. Because vine branches are not strong enough to hold themselves up. When grapes get on them and even just vines by themselves, when they fall to the ground, they'll die and they won't produce fruit. So what they do is they tie them to a stake. They tie them to something that can hold them up. They pick them up. They pull them up. They connect them to a trellis so that they can grow upward because when they begin to grow upward, it's there that they find the health that they need. It's there that they find the strength that they need. It's there that they find everything they need to produce the fruit. Do you not realize that you are the vine and God is the... Branch, do you not realize that you are the vine, that God is the support? Do you not realize that God, that you are the vine and God is your strength? So we must tie ourselves to, we must bound ourselves to the God of the valley. I know that some of you are not followers of Christ, and, um, but we're glad you're here. I want you to realize if you don't have an intimate relationship with God, then when you get to the end of yourself, that's all you got. What you have is what you have. But those of us that have intimate relationship with God, we come to this realization that when I'm frustrated, when I want to give up, when I'm weak, that's when he is strong. When I want to throw in the towel, when I want to wave the white flag, guess what? That's when God shows up on my behalf. Y'all, y'all don't get it. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. My man, uh, Pierre, can you come out with me, man? Can you come out and join me? Let's, let's, let's show the people a little illustration. I know they're used to illustrations, so we're going to help them see it. Amen. Um, but if y'all believe it or not, um, 
I used to be a pretty good athlete. Yes, it was 25 years ago, but I used to be <laughs> a good athlete, man. Look me up, Google me. It's only one Zarius Patterson on there. Go find me. I was, I was pretty good, you know? I wasn't D1 talent, but I, you know. But I was a triple athlete. I played football, I ran track, and I power lifted. So now in power lifting, what we would do is that we would lift heavy weights to build up our strength. But that's not the only thing we did to build our strength. What we would do at the end of practice is we would do what we call a burnout set. A burnout set is where you put on lightweight. You don't put on anything heavy. I put on something light. But my goal is to do a whole bunch of reps in that set. And so typically what our coach would say is that I need you to get 50, out of, get 50 reps in this set. Now, can I tell you that around about 20, I'm okay. Around about 25, I'm good. Oh, but around about 30. <laughs> the lactic acid begins to build up in my muscles. I begin to burn, and I begin to grow fatigued. And it looks something like this. Come on, let's just show them here. Um, see, so the beautiful thing is that you always had a spotter. So while you're lifting, there was somebody behind you that was like, you got it, Pierre. Oh, yeah, Doc, you got, you got about a few more, few more in you. All right, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 30. Oh, you looking? All right, uh, 35, 40. You got it, Doc. You got one more in you. 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Do y'all realize? Them last five, Pierre didn't lift them. I lifted those. Because around about 42, Pierre's arms gave out. But he had a spot that could lift him and pull him up and strengthen him and help him get to the goal. Do y'all not realize that that's what the Lord does for us? That when we get to the end of ourselves, our God steps in and he said, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. I'll help you get there because when you are weak, that's when I am strong. And so the way you get through Baca is that you strengthen yourself in the Lord. Do y'all realize that one of the worst things going on in society today is this whole, this whole thing of, of, of being independent? Everybody wants to be independent. Nobody wants anybody's help. They don't need God. They don't need nobody. I don't need no financial assistance. I don't need no friends. I don't need a life group. I don't need a small group. I don't need no. Do you realize that God created you to be in community? He created you to depend on him and to depend on other people. We have to get to the place to where we realize that I can't make it on my own. Has anybody ever been there? If God don't show up, this is going to be a mess. If God don't show up, I'm going to fail. And so we find ourselves, the only way to get out of Baca is to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Secondly, as I speed on, the other thing that you have to do is remember your destination. Not only do you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord, but you need to know your destination. Zarius, what are you saying? See, because right here in verse 5, it says, blessed is the person whose strength is in you, whose hearts, whose heart are the roads to Zion. 
Can I say it in the New Living Translation? It, it highlights it a little different, uh, and I like it the way it says it here. It says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their mind on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I love that we're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Do y'all know what that means? That we may be in the valley, but we're going to a place they call the city of refuge. We may be in the valley, but we're headed to a place that they call the place of peace. See, the truth of the matter is, is in order for me to get to the city of refuge, I have to go through the valley of Baca. To get, to get where I really appreciate the presence and the power of God that's at the city of refuge, I have to push myself through this season of pain. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their mind on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Can somebody say, my mind is set? set. Say it again, my mind is set. set. In other words, you have to remind yourself where you're going. You have to know what lies ahead. You, you, You have to be on a journey through this rough place. And even though it is merciless, even though it is relentlessly pushing you down, even though you're overwhelmed and relationships are blowing up, your finances are blowing up, and your career has not stacked up to what you want it to be, you have to realize that I'm not going to this place. I'm going through this place. It's the same thing that helped David. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. I know that I'm going somewhere. I have a destination in mind. See, if y'all don't realize it, man, this song was written to the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were the Levitical choir, right? And so these gentlemen would sing on these pilgrimages. And the beginning of this particular song says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They have ever, they are ever praised you. God's people say, listen, we want to be over there, but in order to get over there, I have to grow through here. But I have to keep looking over there in order to get over here. Let me help you realize this real quick. See, um, there's something called uh, the theory of personality. The theory of personality is a foundational pursuit in psychology. There's this man named Freud who did uh, this study of early childhood development. He said that, you know what, early childhood development, their experiences at an early age dictates their personality. Their early influences at a young age dictates their future behavior. And then there was a man named Carl Jung that came on and he agreed with Freud. He did agree that the things of a person's past push them forward. However, he added to that particular thought and he said, not only does a past push you, but a future pulls you. And so he says, not only must a child depend on what they experience in the past, but there must be something in the future that they yearn for that pulls them forward. That's where we get our word education. It means to draw something out of a child. Um, And so I've been studying this and trying to use this in my own house. Amen. Um, 
See, because I grew up with the push parenting method, amen? Uh, the push parenting method looks a little something like this. Boy, I'm going to give you a chore, and when I come back home, I expect the chore to be done. And if the chore is not done, there's going to be some consequences. That's, 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 that's push parenting, right? Anybody else grew up in a push parenting environment? Amen, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm trying this pull parenting thing. Because normally, when it's time to go in the morning, this is how I talk to my kids. It's time to go. I need you to get in the car. If y'all not in the car in the next few minutes, by the time I turn that car on, I'm going to have a belt waiting for you. <laughs> now, poor parenting says something like this. <laughs> Children, it's time to go. I'm headed to the car, and I want you to follow me. I understand that you were telling me a story. We can finish the story while we're in the car. Matter of fact, today you guys are going to have a great day. Zamir, today is water play day at your school. ZJ and Zaya, guess what? Today you guys are going on a field trip. There is something for us all to look forward to. Let's make our way to the car. <laughs> Pool parenting. Um, that, that, you know, uh, let me give you another scenario so you understand it. Um, I got a son that don't like to do homework. Um, so I usually talk to him like this, little boy, if you don't get this work done, there's going to be some smoke in the city. Pool parenting says this, son, if you get your work done now, you'll have more time to play your Nintendo Switch later. You can do this. And I'm trying this because, you know, push parenting does not work on hard-headed, stubborn kids. And, and, and I got a third child. His name is Zamir. Y'all pray for me. Um, he's been messing up the family statistic. Because my first two children began peeing in the potty at the age of two. This joker is over three years old and has not been peeing in the potty. To which I'm like, son, you're messing up the family stats. I need for you to get this thing together. Push parenting says, boy, sit down and pee-pee in this potty. And you have a little incentive in your hand, amen. Um, Pull parenting says, son, I'm trying to get you to a place where you have more freedom. When you are not bound by these pull-ups, you have more opportunities at church. You have more opportunities at school. You have more opportunities when we're at the mall. Are you not done with these pull-ups? Because guess what? If you wear big boy undies like your brother, you get a chance to wear uh, a, a Spider-Man, or you get a chance to wear Sonic, or you get a, a chance to wear PJ Masks. Don't you want to wear something like that? Now, I tried this, and it, I thought it was not working. But then one day, this joker walked up in the house and he said, Daddy, come here, watch this. <laughs> and he pees in the potty. <laughs> and I mean, we went crazy in the house. I mean, you thought we won the Super Bowl, but 
this pool parenting, what it did is it gave him a goal. It gave him something to work through. And so even though he may be stuck, even though he may not want to do it, even though it may be overwhelming to him, something that he sees in the future draws him to what's ahead. That's what God is trying to get us to understand is that, you know what, when you're in the valley, don't get consumed with what's around you. Don't get consumed with the circumstance. You got to keep your eyes on the future and allow it to pull you to your destiny. Not only must you strengthen yourself in the Lord, not only do you need to know your destination, but the text says you need to make a spring there in the valley. This is a little counterintuitive. I'm in the valley. It's a desert. It's a dry place. But you want me to make it a spring? God, you're calling for me to create something that does not exist. How do I make this environment a spring? If you look at the the King James Version, it says to make it a well. So basically what God is saying, what I need you to do is dig a hole and prepare for my provision. I want you to do is dig a hole and let me do the rest. Dig a hole and wait for me to show up. Because the truth of the matter is, is that as a believer, the things that we go through are not just for us. As a leader, even though you're not called to that place, you are called to change the landscape of that place as you go through it. And so you are called to step into that situation and make it a spring. Because y'all know the other part of that verse, it says, and the early rain will bring blessings. Do y'all know what the early rain is? The early rain is the rain that prepares for the harvest. So God is saying, when you're going through the valley, what I want you to do is make a spring. I want you to dig a well. I know you're saying, God, I need a miracle. God is saying, pick up the shovel. I know you're saying, God, I need a miracle. God is saying, make that desert place a spring. I know you're saying, God, I need a miracle. God is saying, you know what? In the midst of your lack, I need you to give. In the midst of all of hell, I need you to be heavenly. And in the midst of everything that you're going through, I need for you to make provision for me to show up on your behalf. Not for you, but for the people coming behind you. And so how do we get out? We strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We know our destination. We make a spring. And do y'all realize that that last verse I read said, and they each made it to Zion. Every person in your family is going to make it. Every person in your crew is going to make it. If you're obedient to the Lord, if you strengthen yourself in him, if you keep your eye on the prize, if you make a well in a desert place, everybody that's with you is going to be in Zion. That's not a guarantee. But if you do the work, it can happen. And so I know that many of you here find yourself even right now in a Baca experience. But I pray today that you're encouraged in the Lord that even when you want to give up, look to the hills from which cometh your help, knowing that your help comes from the Lord. Keep your eye on what God has showed you, the promises that God has given you. And you make a spring. 
even when it don't make sense. Even when you don't want to, begin to dig a well and wait for God's provision. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your reminder that just like you're with us on the mountaintop, you're the same God in the valley. The truth of the matter is we may get to know you on the mountaintop, but our relationship is even more intimate in the valley. God, we thank you for valley experiences because as the text says, blessed are those who find themselves there, but who understand that their strength is in you. God, would you help us to overcome this need to feel like we have to be independent? Help us to realize, God, that we must depend on you and others. Help us, God, to realize, God, that you have a promise and a purpose that you desire for us to fulfill. And sometimes we have to go through valley experiences. Sometimes we have to go through pain before we get there so that when we get there, we fully understand and appreciate the power of your glory. Help us to stand up as leaders and to change the landscape of the places that you have called us to no matter how dry, no matter how barren that they are. Help us to dig when we don't want to, to make provision for you to show up and provide the early rain. And we'll be so grateful to give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.